Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Autism News Network podcast. My name is Dr. Frampton Gwinnett, and I am here today with Avery and Ainsley. And Avery and Ainsley, thank you so much for being here. We are coming at you from the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston, South Carolina. As it turns out, this is our very first podcast. So I wanted to thank you both for being here to talk about autism. So are you guys ready to, um, to talk a little bit today? I am. Okay, cool. Um, I know we had talked a little bit before the show um, about how people think of autism. And one of our big goals for this podcast is to change the way people see autism and think about it. And we're bringing a unique perspective, which is to see autism through the world, sorry, through the eyes of someone who has autism. So um, to start off, I think there's a big perception out there that autism is a bad thing or like a, you know, a flaw of some kind. Um, what do you guys think about that? I, th- I, I, don't, I don't think it's a flaw at all, personally. And um, I don't think it's a bad thing. It makes you different and unique. And, and, it, and people, people can help you. Your family can help you. Your friends, your peers, and, and even your own psychiatrist can help you. And and if you act, and if you actually need one, you can also have a service service animal to help you out. Absolutely, and we're going to talk about one service animal in particular later on this podcast, uh, who's very near and dear to our hearts. Um, Avery, what what are your thoughts about how the world sees autism as as a flaw or a disorder? We had talked about it like, oh, it's just a different way of seeing things, right? Um, Sorry. All good? Well, let's, let's take it on a lighter topic. So you mentioned that today you discovered something going on in your yard. And it was a mystery for a little bit. But can you tell us about what that mystery is? I don't think that has any relevance to do with the podcast. Well, what I was thinking is it was kind of puzzling you for a while. Um, And what was interesting to me is that, do you want to tell the audience what what is happening in your backyard? Well, what's currently happening in my backyard is that there is a shell for an in-ground pool that has been placed near the the backyard, essentially. Yeah. And... And now it's going to take a few days for construction and so forth to happen, right? Yeah, the digging should start today. Okay. And when a project like that's going on around your house, is that maybe more disruptive for somebody who has autism spectrum disorder versus somebody who doesn't? No. It it greatly varies in degree, but yes, it most certainly does. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, well, quite... Mm. Sorry, I'm getting anxious just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, is is it like the noise levels from the construction, or is it just having people who you don't know around? Or? Well, those are both those are both relevant things. Mm-hmm. Ha- having anxiety issues because of 
crowds are are one thing, but crowds are just a combination of noise and people. Mm-hmm. It's uh, sometimes relevant to the. Oops! I accidentally touched the table. Oh, you're fine. You're fine. Oh, jeez. Does something like a pool installation throw a major curveball at you because it's, it's a different different? It's it's well, another thing would be probably be how just change affects us. Yeah. Like any form of dramatic change can also bring out a certain level of anxiety. Yeah. We all we all feel anxiety one way or another, but the way we feel it a lot of the time, it, it's it feels like it's a amplified to mm-hmm. a certain degree. It's oh, so maybe for some people, getting a pool installed is exciting, and I can't wait, and it's all positive. But maybe for somebody on the spectrum, it is a good thing, but it's also a stressful thing because it's a, something new and something noisy and. Yeah, because, uh, well, usually when the constru- when construction happens, there's a lot of noise, and there are people that you don't know, and it, mm-hmm. that makes you can can make one. Uh, it makes me in particular uncomfortable. Yeah, not everybody's going to be like that, but uh, no, I get I get really anxious. Yeah, it's understandable. And as a psychiatrist specializing in autism spectrum disorder, I, I do hear that a lot from patients. So you're in good company. Um, and Ainsley, now Avery mentioned the routine. And I know you and I have spoken about your uh, things that you like to do on Friday nights in terms of going out to dinner. Can you tell us, you don't have to mention the name of the restaurant, but just tell us about that pattern. And then also like what happens if the pattern changes and how it makes you feel? Oh, sure. I would love to talk about that. So every fri- every Tuesday, we go out to a barbecue restaurant. And every Friday, we go out to a Mexican restaurant. And if that routine gets disrupted, I get upset and I get angry and I, and I start to cry. And, and people say that being flexible strengthens you, but I don't see how it would strengthen me because we have to follow the routine. Mm-hmm. And it, it just makes me just makes me upset whenever it's interrupted in general and yes yeah and so do people ever say to you like hey we're not going to do that tonight get over it well my my mom and dad say my mom and dad say you better stop you better stop that attitude and and it makes me even more upset because I like a routine yeah so even for parents, I know your parents are wonderful at, as you mentioned, supporting you. Even for parents, at times it can be difficult to to see the full picture of the the need to stick with that schedule. Yeah. Um, and then going back over to Avery, Avery, you mentioned something I thought was really cool. Like when you go to a Waffle House, you have a set thing that you like to do with your food. Can you do, tell us about that? Oh, I have a kind of this ritualistic thing when I. I guess it's because of the, the the shape that the waffle is in. I have to I cut it into the fourths, then I then cut each fourth in half, half into wedges, then 
I carve a circle out of the center of the waffle and cutting the wedges to the to the point where the wedges have been cut again and then I have to meticulously place each individual bit of waffle around so that I can evenly displace the syrup. Yeah, and that's just kind of comforting for you. It, it, is that what makes you a little bit less anxious when you're eating there? Uh, sometimes, I mean, I do a lot of different things when I'm eating food. For example, whenever I eat a sandwich, I have to eat the crust first, mm -hmm. and then I eat the rest of the sandwich so I can separate those two things. Yeah. Do people ever look at you, either of you, when you're eating and say, hey, why do you eat in that way? Mm, well, I guess as far as tho those are concerned, I guess a lot of people don't notice because they're, they're, they're very subtle things. Mm -hmm. Uh, some people may ask, it's um, not very common, but even if it doesn't appear to be there, it's there. Yeah. You can see it just below the surface, no matter what I'm doing. Exactly. It's, it's pretty much there all the time. Yeah, and yeah. Like, like you mentioned, it's just there below the surface. and. Most of the time, you might be able to camouflage it, but sometimes it's not so easy. Um, and Ainsley, you mentioned food and some of the particulars about things you like to eat and some that you can't. Can you give the audience a little bit of detail on that? Of, co of course. So if so, I'm very picky about what I eat and how I eat food. Well, not necessarily how I eat food, but like what type of food it is. For example, if something is spicy, I won't eat it. If something looks spicy, I won't eat it. If something is smoked, I won't eat it. And I, and here's an example. We were at Outback Steakhouse, <clears throat> the the restaurant, the Australian restaurant, and I ordered the pasta dish. And when it when I took a bite, instantly my mouth was on fire. And so I asked the waitress, she was really nice, "What what do you put in the pasta?" "Oh, a sprinkle of cayenne powder." Okay. Uh, and that was it, huh? That set it off. Yep. And yeah. I'm like, okay, thank you. And and I said, and I, and later on, I told Dad that was not a sprinkle. That was more like a deluge of the powder. Wow. And, like a four alarm fire. Yes. Yeah. And I have never had that pasta again. And they have took it. They have taken it off the menu, which I am very happy about. And and I'm fine with I'm fine with some of the foods that I eat. Pasta is one of them, and whenever my dad cooks on the big green egg, he um, he puts he double wraps mine in foil, and then okay. he puts it on the grill to keep the smoke flavor out. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's these little, like, you know, you're, it sounds like you're exquisitely sensitive to certain tastes or certain textures. Um, and that can have a big impact, though, when you're in a social situation. You might not have a choice, like a restaurant. You're like, I just have to go with it. It's not not fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's really not that fun. Yeah. Um, and Avery, you had mentioned kind of randomly that a lot of the foods you end up eating are the same color. Yeah. The, it's just I don't intentionally do that. It's just they just happen to be the same color all the time. Yeah. 
Oh, jeez. <laughs> Things like bananas and apples. Yeah, they, yeah. They, when you when you cut them in, when you cut them and put take them in pieces, it's just it's relatively the same color. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, switching gears a little bit, the three of us have talked a lot about um, you know the concept of autism and um, do you guys remember when you first learned? that you had autism that first time you really were aware that there was something different? Well, for me, I I was in the fourth grade and my mother and father came in and they were they read a book called All Cats Have Asperger's and I was surprised to see them because I didn't know what they were doing and Later on, they told me that I w- that I did testing with Mr. Wagner, and that he diagnosed me. And when I asked again, Mom told when I asked a couple months ago this year, she asked. She said that you did testing, and he told us that you had autism, and we asked what we could do to help. And I told Mom, you didn't say anything like, like you didn't tell us or our daughter has autism and I just I said you didn't get mad or anything she's like no no we didn't get mad and I don't remember my reaction I was so young I was in the fourth grade and I didn't suspect anything of it mm-hmm. and Avery do you remember anything your like your first recollection of how you learned that you have autism well to be honest, when I learned, I was I was eight, I believe. I was either eight or nine. Pardon me, my memory's a bit fuzzy at that time. No, sure. Uh, I didn't really think one way about it. I, I mean, I may be different, but it didn't really phase me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And growing up, did your peers let you know that you were different? Did you sense that? I mean, I've always sensed it a little, but I, you know, try to move past that, and I just, Well, for me, I'm worried that I might get teased again, and I don't feel comfortable with Mom telling people that I have autism, and it's just, it just makes me feel awkward. And whenever we go, whenever we go, to Disney World, we go to guest relations, and she's like, my mom says, tell them what you have, tell them, tell them what you need, like, and I say, you do it, mom, mm-hmm. and and also, there was a surprise. Uh, we were eating at Pecos Bill's restaurant, and there was a worker there with autism, and her name was Ashley, and we both had autism, so oh, that was wow. really surprising. That's amazing. That's amazing. See, sometimes it's tough to put into words when somebody needs to know that you require support. Um, And I wanted to ask, you guys have put a ton of work into the Autism News Network, and um, this podcast actually is kind of a a big moment for us, but can you describe your different roles and activities within the Autism News Network? Sure, I'd I'd, I'd love to. I am the editor-in-chief of the Autism News Network, which means I work on the monthly newsletter, and I also give help give out ideas and things about 
stuff that we do. And we're working on videos for a therapy park, which is going right behind the IOP building. And it needs a lot of work. Yes, it does. We, we toured through there last week, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. What do you think of the space, Avery? There's a lot of potential, plus yeah. a lot of it is barren. Yes. So there's a an area in, in our institution that may be uh, transformed into a therapy park, but yeah, it has a long way to go. Um, and Avery, tell us about your work at the Autism News Network. Well, I'm the lead cin- cinematographer. Sorry. Uh, essentially, what I do is I set up the shots and I of each individual camera and try to. Uh, essentially, I'm just a cameraman, really. But it's a lot of work, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I mean, my job is to essentially make sure we get it as close to right the first time, which I've made a lot of mistakes. I've yeah. now reflecting. Um, but that's learning, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the point. I'm. Yeah. I'm just kind of new at this. Uh, well, so that the. What I was saying before, my job is to try to get the shot right the first time so the editing team can get the editing that they want done without having to deal with every single screw-up that I do. Exactly. So a lot can be accomplished with the editing software, but if the shot's not good, you know, it really goes downhill, doesn't it? So I've seen you put a tremendous amount of time into the spacing and the light quality and the the perspective. It pays off, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, I, but I'm still, I still can do better. That's the the thing. You can always try to pursue to do better. That's right. And do you feel support from the other Autism News Network participants, you know, from them to keep keep you encouraged yeah i i think so like we're we're all trying to manage to mm, well i guess hmm what's what, what's a good way of wording it Ma- learn to master the skills at some point but i mm-hmm. guess yeah yeah and, and you guys are doing a great job and um, we do everything together, don't we? Well, yeah, we make decisions a lot of the time together as a group. We, it's very, uh, <sighs> basically, we put most things to a vote. Yeah, very collaborative. And uh, Ainsley, you look like you want to say something. Yeah, it's very rewarding, and it <clears throat> and it helps me get out of the house more. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a big factor because it's it is a challenge just to get there every week because there's so many reasons, you know, that we could think of not to go there like hey, this is going to be a group setting, it might be stress provoking or transportation can be a challenge, but you guys manage to get here just about every week, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you've really For the hung, most part. Yeah, you've really hung in there. Um now I know we've got to get to our our favorite furry friend um who we alluded to earlier. Ainsley, who is this guy I keep hearing about named Oso? Oso is my Australian Labradoodle. He is my autism service dog, and I love him very much. When I first got him, I had no idea that my parents had been keeping him a secret for very long. 
and when we drove to get him, we met the breeder at in the parking lot of Tractor Supply, and I was very, I was like, are we meeting someone? Are we meeting a celebrity? And my mom was saying, you'll see, you'll see. She would not tell me, neither would my dad. And when I first held him, I almost cried because he wagged his tail as if he somehow knew I was his. That thought still makes me want to cry. And I have a video, but I can't show it, obviously, because we're on a podcast. That's right. And I love him very much. And we also have his sister, Sable. And we're thinking she could be an emotional support dog because she loves to cuddle and she loves playing with us and she loves she loves she loves the family yeah. in general and they're a great pair they are and a funny story about that is i saw your mom in a non-profit charitable you know function and she showed me a picture of oso before you knew about it so i actually got to see a picture of him before you even knew just by chance so that was pretty cool oh that yeah. that is really sweet yeah <laughs> um and avery um i know you have an artistic side don't you yeah, I, well, I guess in my pastime, I just like to draw. Yeah. What does drawing do for you? Like, is it therapeutic? It's very therapeutic uh-huh. for me. I, yeah. It's something that I can, I can actually focus better a lot of the time on a lot of the things when I'm drawing rather mm-hmm. than when I'm not. I kind of end up in this, I'm, because of, the relaxed feeling I get from when I'm drawing sometimes it allows me to engage more a little bit when yeah. I when I'm actually physically drawing than when I'm not yeah it's uh which seems like paradoxical right because a lot of times if someone's drawing you would think like hey stop drawing and pay attention however for you it's a different story like it's it's not about like do completing it or getting it you know like a complete finished product it's more like something that i can do to relax mm-hmm. and just let my mind wander towards the subject without panicking or stressing out yeah that's a great way to to describe it just take the little bits and pieces of information at a time and just mindlessly draw pencil over paper yeah that's fantastic um so we're going to Uh, conclude here but I wanted to thank both Avery and Ainsley for being here today and being so honest and kicking off our very first podcast with the Autism News Network Um, and for those of you who are not familiar with us you can go to theautismnewsnetwork.com the Autism News Network is a media corporation that produces content about autism and all of that content is written produced and directed by adults with autism here at the Medical University of South Carolina. So we hope that you will join us for our next episode of the Autism News Network podcast. Until then, have a great day.